Thanks for joining us for another message from Southland Church. If you'd like any info on our church, check out our website at mysouthland.com. Well, I, uh, I am excited to preach this weekend and next weekend, but how many of you were at the summit? A few of you? Okay, so a bunch of you were there. Um, at the summit, I announced something that we were celebrating, so do you remember what it is that we're celebrating in this month? 15 years, month of prayer and fasting. 15 years ago was our very first month of prayer and fasting here at the church. And I just, I know I talked about it a bit at the prayer summit, but I wanted to share it with everyone because not everyone was there. And I think it's a great and fitting way to kind of start this again because we're launching our 15th month of prayer and fasting. So if we rewind the tape 15 years ago, uh, we're in the fall winter of 2004, uh, what, what does the church look like then? Uh, there's no set free, there's no empower, there's no hearing God yet. Uh, none of that stuff has started. We do have prayer summits already. Prayer summits have been going for uh, five years. It'll be our 20th anniversary in October, actually. That's also something that we'll have to celebrate. Um, but we had prayer summits, but we still weren't the kind of church. I mean, that, that famous message uh, where Pastor Ray announced that we believe in the Holy Spirit and the gifts, uh, how many of you were there for that? Okay, so less than at the prayer summit, so there, but there's still a handful of you. Uh, we'll never forget that message, how quiet it was in here when he made those announcements, and then the end when he prayed for the Holy Spirit, and we just felt the Holy Spirit come in, and our church has never been the same, but 2004, this is before any of that has happened. Now, at this point, Pastor Ray's already said yes to bringing the Holy Spirit into the church, but the only step he's taken is talking to the board. So he's talked to the board, he hasn't talked to the church yet, that was to come a year later. Um, and there was a whole list, he has about a dozen things that he was trying to pray through. One of them was, how do we get people to find freedom in Christ? How do we get them to move forward? Because it felt like so many were, were just stuck in their chairs. The Lord had already begun working on him with inner healing and that sort of thing. I know because I had just given my life to the Lord and I was being guinea pigged on quite regularly. As uh, they were learning a lot of this stuff by my brother and my dad. Uh, thank you for those sessions. There was a lot of good ones then. Um, but they got this idea from the Lord that they were to call, because they were already going to do their own time of prayer and fasting. But Pastor Ray sensed from the Lord that he was to call a, uh, a month of prayer and fasting for the entire church, a corporate time of fasting. And at the same time that the Lord was speaking to him, the Lord was also speaking to my mom out of Joel. And uh, this is the, we'll try and see if it works. No, it's not working. There we go. Um, I like using my own clicker, but it doesn't for some reason work today or yesterday. This is what she got though. This is what the Lord says. Turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Who knows? Perhaps even yet he will give you a reprieve, sending you a blessing instead of this terrible curse. Perhaps he will give you so much that you will be able to offer grain and wine to the Lord your God as before. Blow the trumpet in Jerusalem and announce a time of fasting. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. Bring everyone, the elders and the children. And this is the word that she got right at the same time Pastor Ray was getting a very, very similar word. So what did they do? They said yes. They said yes and they announced the, first, the very first month of prayer and fasting. Now, out of that, right after that, came one of the big answers to the things that he was struggling with, and that was the Lord birthed the set free, which was called the Encounter God Retreat at that time. That came right after. So right after they said yes to the Lord and followed him in obedience, they called a time of fasting for the people. Then came a time of rendering our hearts corporately, and they had the very first retreat in Pinawa with 40 participants. You know, and it's quite fascinating. You could do an almost an entire message. I'd love to one day, but not, not today. But even just think about that. What would have happened if they said no? Wouldn't that be easy? Especially, I mean, it's one thing for God to call you to fast, right? That's already hard enough. But when you're going to now call a group of people to come and join you, there's a lot more risk in that. And they could have just as easily said no to the Lord in that. And you wonder what else wouldn't have happened had they said no there. What was hingent on their yes? Uh, but out of that, ten, over 10,000 people I checked, over 10,000 people now have gone through a set-free uh, weekend at our church since then, in the last 15 years. Is that not incredible? Think of what that, what that number represents. That's over 10,000 people that have walked through a process of confession and repentance, have spent time worshiping at the cross and being filled with the Holy Spirit, breaking bondages and learning how to walk in freedom. 
absolutely incredible. And since then, you go and look online, do a Google search, type in set free retreat. I actually think you should do it. Not now. Don't do it now. Just listen to me now. I have the mic. Uh, but later, when, when Chris is up. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Anyways, do a Google search, type in set free retreat. You know what's really fascinating? You'll find all of these set free retreats that are happening all over the place. A whole list of them. And you might be tempted to think, oh, we're not the only set free retreat. No, we're not. We're not. We're the first one that's on that list, but we're not the only set free retreat. They're happening all over the place. Same retreat, same God, same spirit moving, same, same types of people experiencing the same types of things all over. And I think that is something to be celebrated. And that came out of a time of solemn meeting, solemn assembly, calling the people together for a time of prayer and fasting. And I think that is something to be celebrated. So I'm excited for our 15th month of prayer and fasting. And I'm excited not just for me to be able to pray and fast. I'm excited that we, all of us, that we get to pray and fast together. If I can use Chris's lingo, I've been loving, he's really been pushing that get to. We get to pray. We get to read the word. We get to worship Jesus. And I will add to that, we get to fast and pray. We get to. We get to join in a tradition that has been observed by believers from the Old Testament until now. Millions of believers, including Jesus himself, have observed times of fasting. And so that's what we're going to get into. But I, I want to pray and then we'll, we'll get into the rest of the message. Lord, as we enter into this 15th year of praying and fasting together as a body in January, we want to start by saying thank you. Thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done in our lives because Pastor Ray and Fran said yes, and thank you for what you're continuing to do as Chris leads us in saying yes to you as well. But Lord, you have done great things here, and we can never, we'd never want to lose sight of that. So today, Lord, as we go into this message, would you awaken in us an excitement for this topic of fasting and prayer? I know as we go into praying and fasting, especially if we've done it years in a row, sometimes we just kind of feel like, oh yeah, it's a month of prayer and fasting again. Oh, it's going to be hard. And we almost, we almost feel gloom inside, dread inside. And today, Lord, we just want to lay all of that down at your feet, and we ask that you would excite us again. Teach us in the word, give us your heart for fasting, and remind us that we get to join with you in this. So we thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. So... Um, now that you know our history behind it, because I bet you a bunch of you didn't know our history on it, uh, because our church has grown so much in the last 15 years. So a lot of you weren't here then, so you didn't know that. So now you know why we observe this month of prayer and fasting. It was a word from the Lord, came from Joel uh, 15 years ago that we feel we are supposed to continue on with. And I was just talking to Chris earlier, and there's exciting things that he's praying and fasting for and direction for the church. And I just think that tradition just carries on. And I'm looking forward to seeing what God does in our lives this next year and as we move forward. But what does the Bible say about our call to fast and pray? Right? I mean, it's one thing for me to stand up here and say we all need to fast and pray. It's January. Uh, but what does the Bible have to say about it? Because I don't want to guilt you today into fasting and praying. I, I actually, my prayer all week was that we would get that heart of get to. That we would get the heart of we get to fast and pray. So what does the Bible say about fasting and prayer? Uh, we'll start with fasting. Matthew 6, 16 to 18. It says, And when you fast... Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who sees in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Notice the word, when you fast. It's when you fast. And right before this, he's speaking on prayer, and he says, and when you pray. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners, right? That they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received the reward. But when you pray, go into your room and pray to your Father in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. There's two things I want to point out in that. The first thing is, he doesn't say if you pray and fast. He says when you pray and fast. If we can go to that next slide. So the assumption Jesus had for prayer and fasting was that those who were going to follow after him, that they would engage not only in prayer, because we get the prayer one, right? I think most Christians understand if you're going to follow Jesus, there's this, I mean, we don't want to look at it like an expectation, but there is an assumption anyways that we should have some type of prayer life or should be growing in a prayer life. But Jesus talks the same about prayer, and then he talks the exact same about fasting a couple of verses later. 
And he says, didn't say if you fast, it wasn't just to be this exception, but it was actually a part of the assumption when you fast, and then he's teaching them how to do it. But so, so, that, so that's the first point I want to make on that. It's not if, but when. So there's an assumption in Scripture that those who would follow after Jesus, that they would continue on in this tradition and discipline of fasting. We'll get on to the purposes for that in a moment. But one of the purposes I already see here, or the desires that the Lord has in it, is intimacy with God. Look at what it says. The whole point and why we're not supposed to do it in front of others um, is because what? The Father is in secret. We're supposed to do it with the Father. This was supposed to be disciplines, prayer and fasting, that would actually increase our intimacy with the Father. And you already see a bit of the, the Lord's purpose of fasting right in those two verses, and I love that. But what are the other purposes for fasting? So we can look at the call to fast, and we're going to focus more on prayer next week, um, but you can already start praying this week, hopefully. Uh, but we're going to focus on the fasting today, and I wanted to look at the, the purposes of fasting. So we know we're called to fast. There's an assumption when you fast, and I'll show you another verse in just a moment. Uh, but I thought it's important for us to look at again, why do we fast? And, and not just, you know, because we can say, well, you know, you just, you fast. Well, because you want what? You want greater power in your prayers. I think that's probably what most of us would answer, right? You fast and pray. There's verses like, well, where Jesus talks about some require prayer and fasting when, when talking about deliverance. So we know there's an aspect of fasting that increases our prayer life. And I, I do want to talk more about that next week. And I have that on here as well. But I wanted to start by laying a foundation that really gave the heart behind the fast. I mean, what is it about denying yourself of good things for periods of time that seems to strengthen us spiritually or strengthen God's ability to be able to work through us? So let's look at, th uh, well, we'll look at eight, uh, but I'm really going to focus in on four. Uh, and the first three, uh, the first one is uh, to express longing for Jesus' return and desire for his will to be done on the earth. And this one here is one that I wish, like, I, I hope this is the main reason that all of us want to fast this month. Whatever you're going to give up. If you're already thinking, well, I can't do a food fast, so I'm going to disengage from the message. There's lots of fasts you can do. Do a media fast. Do a hobby fast. I'll get on to some of that at the end of the message. But there's lots of ways that we can engage in this tradition and discipline of fasting, even if medically we're unable to do the food fast. Um, but my biggest reason to fast, and what I'm praying for is that we would get this as a church, is that one of the biggest things we are fasting for and praying for is we are longing and desiring Jesus to return, and we want to see his will done here on the earth. His kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's one of the biggest reasons that we fast. And we even find that in scripture, in Matthew 9, 14 to 15, we have the disciples of John are coming to Jesus. They're saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast and you and your disciples don't? Right? And they're feeling a little bit gypped. Right? We're, we're denying ourselves something good and it's hard. And yet you're showing us that you don't fast. And what is Jesus' response to that? Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and, and then they will fast. So note, again, he says, okay, so there's a moment of time right now, I'm here. And they're not fasting because I'm here. But as soon as I leave, when the bridegroom is gone, then they will fast. Why? Because the bridegroom is gone. There will be sorrow in their hearts. They will be grieving that he's no longer there, and they will be longing for and desiring for his return. And then they will fast. It's very interesting, Anna, and we'll look at that verse a little bit later, but Luke 2:37, and it says, day and night she was fasting and praying and worshiping the Lord. What was she praying for and fasting for? And uh, what was she praying for? The first coming of the Lord. Isn't that interesting? So there, that was her calling. She was wasting her life in prayer and fasting and worship, and I love that. What a way to waste your life. And praying for the first coming of Jesus, and he came. And he said, after he leaves, which he's, now we're praying and fasting for his second return, and that is one of the big reasons why we pray and fast, to express our longing for Jesus' Jesus's return and desire for his will to be done. Now, I, I mean, obviously there's more to it than that, and we're, we're going to get to that, but I wanted to look at a uh, quote. I like this, uh, John Piper. I know we don't agree with everything that he teaches, but he's very wise, very godly, and loves Jesus passionately. Um, so I, I've, I've really enjoyed reading some of his books. What he writes on fasting, I'll just read you a caption of it. The heart of it, fasting he's talking about, is longing. We're putting our stomachs where our heart is, is to give added intensity and expressiveness to our ache for Jesus. Don't you love that? 
We're putting our stomach where our heart is to give added intensity and expressiveness for our ache for Jesus. I would add to that, maybe you feel like my heart's not necessarily there. Then we're adding hunger even to pray and fast so that our heart would get there. <laughs> right? Sometimes we need to remove the things we're feeding on so that we can actually reflect and grow in some of these real uh, heart things that we should be aching for. He goes on to say, we fast to express our longing and ache for all the implications of Jesus' power in the present moment that isn't completely realized. We want to see people healed. We want to see people saved. We want to see marriages redeemed. We ache and we long for this to happen. Therefore, we ask Jesus to come by putting an exclamation point of longing at the end of our prayer and desire. I love that quote, and I love his heart behind why he fasts. Longing and desire for Jesus to return. Longing and desire for his kingdom to break forth into our world today and in the future. And I love that. Doesn't that make you want to fast even a little bit? Doesn't that light something in you? Jesus, I want to show you that. I want to express that longing and desire for you. But there's more. There is other reasons and purposes for fasting that we find in Scripture. And the next one has to do with humility. Uh, to humble ourselves before God, Ezra 8, 21 to 23 um, says, Then I proclaimed a faster at the river Ahava that we might humble ourselves before God to seek from him a safe journey for ourselves, our children, and all our goods. So we fasted and implored our God for this, and he listened to our entreaty. So here we see that they, they wanted to fast so that they could humble themselves before the Lord so that he would hear their prayers. That's a big reason that we're going to be fasting this month and whatever you're fasting and praying for, to humble ourselves before the Lord so that he hears our prayers. But what is it about the fasting that ties in with humility? Well, Think about it. I mean, Scripture talks about God, James 4, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Why? Because the proud person is a strong person. A strong person. A proud person is someone who doesn't need anything. They don't need God. But the humble person is a weak person, someone who recognizes their need for God. And that's why humility is so important with our fasting. When we are fasting, we are choosing weakness. We are choosing to humble ourselves beneath God's power, and we're saying, Lord, we need you. 1 Corinthians 1, 27 to 29, uh, it says, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. He chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. And I love that. I mean, how many times do we as believers feel like we are disqualified from ministry, disqualified from use? We can't have a good marriage. We can't get anything right because we're too this or too that or too this. We're not good enough. I have, I have felt that way for years. I have battled with that, and, and I've actually seen a lot of victory in the last two years, actually, in the last year especially. But we have all of our reasons of why we're not good enough. We're not strong enough, and here we get God's heart behind the whole thing, and he says, I'm not looking for strength. I'm looking for weakness. I'm looking for weakness. God opposes the proud, but gives strength to, to, the, to the humble, right? And that's what he's doing here. God chooses what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Now, obviously, there, it's not just weakness alone. It's weakness coupled with a yes. You still have to be giving a yes to the Lord uh, for him to use you. But what happens when you get weak? What is it about being weak that actually gives you power? 2 Corinthians 12, 9 to 10, we find Paul uh, hearing from Jesus. He's crying out for the thorn in the thresh, uh, flesh to be removed. And Jesus responds with, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in, in weakness. God chooses weak people. Why? So that his power can be made perfect through them. And it's obvious why. Because then he gets the glory. Amen. And that's what it's all about. That's why we don't have to be superstars. We just have to be humble and we can be weak, but we have to be willing. We have to be willing. And that's a huge part of fasting is we are humbling ourselves before the Lord. We are choosing weakness. Uh, one of the things Ron Pierce, and I think dad's preached this before too, but uh, Ron Pierce mentioned uh, years ago, and he said it multiple times, non-Western churches have power for two main reasons. Poverty, persecution. So poverty and persecution gives non-Western churches a power that the Western church is often void of. So what is it about po poverty and persecution that brings power? Well, it ties right back into this. It's involuntary weakness. It is weakness. They're in a spot because they have needs and wants and even, I mean, protection itself. A lot of the things we take for granted. Isn't that true? We just assume that I have rights to be safe when I'm in my home. Right? We're not, we're not worried about someone coming and banging on the door and arresting us. That, 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 that something so crazy like that would happen outside of our control. We don't have to fear that in Canada right now. 
even when we're struggling financially, we can usually not have to fear that we're going to find something to eat. We have great social systems that help, help with that. But there's other places in the world where they have poverty and persecution. And what does that weakness do? It shows them their glaring need for God. Right? So it's, it, it doesn't, I'm not trying to, by the way, minimize and say it's easier for them to humble themselves. Humility still takes a choice. And it's always going to be hard to humble ourselves and recognize our need. But that weakness is, what ben, is, is a benefit to them in that area. But there's other kinds of weaknesses. That's involuntary weakness. We can choose weakness, and that's called voluntary weakness, and that's what fasting is all about. When we fast, we are choosing voluntary weakness so that Christ's power can be made strong in us. Acts 9, verse 9, we, saw, we see Paul. I mean, Paul had involuntary weaknesses. That guy had a list of things that he went through. Terrible things. I can't imagine it. And yet somehow he says things like, I count it all as lost for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. What secret did he understand, right? That he could go through everything he went through and, and still say, like, I count it as rubbish. I found something so much better. He found a treasure that was worth far more than his physical comfort here on this earth. And I think that's incredible. I mean, we could learn lots from following. What did he do? What did he learn? He learned about the power of Christ. He, was, he, he pursued him with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we should follow that pursuit as well. But, so Paul had involuntary weaknesses, but he had voluntary weaknesses as well. It says here he neither ate nor drank um, when he was without sight. This is when he first started, you know, when Jesus encountered him on the road to Damascus. Uh, but there we see him fasting. It also says later on in Corinthians that he was also choosing to go hungry, uh, which is fasting. So that's a huge, another big purpose for fasting. The first one, to express longing and desire for Jesus to return and for his will to be done on the earth. The second, to humble ourselves before God uh, because weakness is mandatory for those who desire spiritual strength. And that is what we're looking for in our answered prayer. We're looking for Christ to be strong in our prayers. And the third one is to express sorrow for sin and to repent towards God. I'm gonna drink some water. By the way, isn't this great? Don't you love this? This wasn't always here. Chris, when did these get put on? A month ago. I love it. Hmm. So much nicer that, you know, you don't have to do the squat to get down. Split my pants. I did that once with the chiropractor. That's a story. Just very fast. I was having neck issues. He's like, well, how are you squatting? Show me your, show me your, uh, your form. So I said, oh, okay. And I go like this. <laughs> Stood back up. Seam to seam. Totally ripped. <laughs> He looked really embarrassed. I started laughing. He started laughing. Then I had to walk out in front of a room full of people and give my clipboard to the lady. And you have to make that decision. Like, do you, do you walk out like this now and hold it? Or do you just walk out like you own the place? Can you guess what I did? Walked out like I own the place, like a boss. Went to the front, walked out like nothing had happened. My underwear was flapping in the wind. It was great. Anyhow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's one of the highlight reels of my life. But uh, back, to, back to fasting. Um, you might need to repent after I gave you that mental image in your mind. Ugh. Or maybe that's just sorrow for something else. I don't know. Anyways, uh, to express sorrow for sin and to repent towards God. Joel 2, 12 to 13. Uh, this is again going back to that passage that started the whole month of prayer and fasting. Uh, but in here we see, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Oh, I love that. Rend your hearts and not your garments. I want what's inside, he's saying. I want what's inside. This is what I want. I want your life. He's jealous for our devotion. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Oh, I just love a call like that. And I love, look at that first line there, return to me with all of your heart. What is he looking for? A portion of your life? Rend your hearts and not your garments. He's like, I don't just want you to go hungry. Don't just go hungry. That's a waste. I want your heart. I want you to render your heart. I want you to look at the areas where you're living in compromise, anything that you're holding back from me. And he's saying, trust me, give, you, give me your life. Let me be Lord over everything. And he calls believers to join him in this, in this joy, in the joy of who he is. You know, many of us Christians, we can agree things like immorality obviously is bad. Totally is, right? I mean, hopefully you've gotten to the place in your faith where you say anything immoral is bad, right? Drunkenness, 
adultery, lying, stealing, murder. Hopefully you've got that one on there. Uh, stealing. Uh, we, we, can, we can say a lot of these things, right? Idol worship, right? Don't have a golden calf in your, in your living room. Um, a lot of these things are bad, right? We, we want to live lives that don't give any room for those types of behaviors. And that's good. We should want that. And if you're stuck in one of those behaviors, you're stuck in bondage, you should be pursuing. Part of walking in repentance and bearing that fruit is pursuing a, you know, you know engaging in a path to freedom. You should be. You should be engaging God in that, even if it's a long journey. But I don't think that's actually the greatest challenge for many believers. I actually think it comes after that. And I think it comes with living a double life. And I think that's one of the greatest things that, that challenges believers today. And I think it robs many believers of bearing kingdom fruit. I'm not just talking about living a good life now, but I'm talking about living a life of significance that bears fruit for the kingdom that lasts for eternity. So what am I talking about with this, with a double life? I'm talking about lordship. I'm talking about who is lord of your life. Who's making the decisions? Who's calling the shots? Isaiah 58, 3 to 11 why have we fasted and you, have seen, you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Right here they're fasting and praying and they feel like God doesn't care. Right? Why don't you care? And he says, behold, in the day of your fast you seek your own pleasure. It's living a double life. So you're doing the spiritual disciplines. You're doing the prayer. You're doing the fasting. But, but actually you're just, you're, in your whole life is modeling that you're seeking your own pleasure. You're still living for you. Maybe it's split up. Maybe it's not 100% living for you. Maybe you've got it down to 80% living for the Lord, 20% living for yourself. But something, you know, I, you know, I'll get into that in a moment. I'll just read the rest of this, but I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting pretty excited. About fasting. We get to fast this month, right? We get to do this together. Aren't you excited? I hope you're getting excited. And if not, maybe I'll give you some of my excitement later. I don't know. <laughs> And oppress. So, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. So they, they were fasting, but they were holding on to offense and bitterness, and, they were, and they, were, they were doing it for themselves. They weren't showing love. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose, a day for a person to humble himself? Is it not to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall, you see, then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. And you find prayer and fasting kind of bookending that whole passage on the heart behind why we're supposed to do it. Don't pray and fast, he's saying. You're, he starts with you're, you're praying, you're fasting, you're crying out to God and you're not seeing him move. But that's because you're doing it for your own pleasure. James talks about that, right? You have not because you ask not. We'll talk about that next week. But then you ask and do not receive because you ask to satisfy yourself. So the heart of this is not living a duplicitous life, not living for God and for me, which, by the way, leads to so much anxiety. You want to you wanna surefire way to build anxiety in your life? Try living two lives. Living one is going to be difficult enough. Living two in one person is going to cause you undue amounts of stress and anxiety. Because you're going to try to live for the Lord what he wants in your life and those expectations, but then you're holding on inside. I don't know if I can trust you with this. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. And it's not always just the bad things that we're talking about. What about good things? What about good things? Even like rest. What about the fruits of the Spirit? Don't we all want a little love, joy, and peace in our lives? Do we? I'm not, I'm not trapping you here. Yeah, of course you do. I want that. I want that. Of course I want that. And I want my kids to experience that. I want my wife to experience that. I'm praying. That's one of the things I'm praying for and fasting for is that there would be more fruits of the Spirit in our family in 2020. I want to see that. 
But I think some of us, we look at that list and we're like, hey, I'm supposed to be bearing these things. I want them so bad. But then we actually take a hold of those things and we don't totally trust that God's going to give them. We feel like if I surrender everything to him, he's actually not going to give me those fruits. He's going to take them from me. So then we start holding on to things like our free time, or I don't know if I want to give up this hobby. I, I mean, if I, because God doesn't want me to have fun, but well, then Pastor Chris, he keeps talking about, well, God does want you to have fun. I don't know, but we're, we're wrestling with this. So we, we end up living a dual life, a duplicitous life, and that will guaranteed leave you towards stress and anxiety, and there's so much more. Acts 2.38, Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, obviously, he's talking about salvation, but there's an order to this, right? Repent and be baptized. So repent. Turn from your life, living for yourself. Repent. Turn towards a life found in God alone, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. And that echoes through, throughout the rest of the Gospels and throughout the rest of the New Testament. That is the path. You want the Holy Spirit's fruit in your life. It doesn't come by you holding on to it and trying to manifest it yourself, but it comes through a death, through dying to yourself and allowing him to live in you. And that's the, the heart behind repentance. You know, I asked my, uh, a couple of my kids anyways this in uh, summer when we were on a drive, we were camping, and I think we were going back to town to pick up something. And I was just talking about the idea of lordship. Uh, the Lord really, really impacted me on this whole idea of lordship in June on a trip that I was with with uh, Joel and a couple of other guys. Really deeply impacted by the Holy Spirit there. And I really had a, a time of reflection where I myself went through this and started looking at, Lord, what are the areas I'm compromising in? And where are the areas I'm living for me? And of course, he showed me way too many, and I'm ashamed that there was even more than one, but there was. There's probably five or six areas that I was living in compromise that I was holding on, and he showed me that, and I gave it back to him. But I asked my kids, if I am, you know, because I work at the church, um, <laughs> right, um, you see me here, I'm working here, and I said, so working at the church, you know, I'm, I'm working for the Lord, right? Yeah. Now, obviously, you can work for the Lord anywhere. It's not about where you work. It's about who you're working for, right? If your heart is to serve the Lord, you're working for him. Now, with that, though, I said, so if I go to church and I'm serving the Lord all day, right? I'm living for him, right? Yeah. But if I'm doing that just so I can get, you know, a paycheck and then I just, but when I go home, I just want to be able to do whatever I want. So I want to be able to spend my money and my time once I'm home because I'm giving lots to God already. So I'm giving lots to him over here. So when I get home, I just want to be able to have a few hours just for me. So I just kind of, I don't want to have to have him speak into those areas. Who am I living for? And my youngest and my oldest told me immediately, they said, yourself. You're living for yourself. So I said, who's Lord of my life? They said, you are. Why? Because you're calling the shots. You're deciding. Now, obviously with that, you might say, okay, so are you saying that now, okay, so everything is Lord. I'm supposed to give 100%. Yes, I am saying that. So with finances, for instance, so I give them 100%. Yep. So I can't even go and buy a coffee at McDonald's without doing listening prayer. No, I am not saying that. That would be, I was going to say dumb. You can't say that from the front. That'd be not smart. Don't do that. No, well, and if you have done that, I'm not trying to say anything bad about you. But that is not what I'm getting at at all. I'm talking about do we even give margin and space for the Lord to speak into these areas of our life? I'm not saying that every free spare moment you're supposed to be outside ministering, doing door-to-door -door evangelism. I don't actually think you should. But do you even give space for the Lord to speak to you on that? Do you allow him into those areas or, or are you too afraid of what he'll tell you? That's what I'm getting at, living a double life where I'm living for him in some areas, but it's almost like we try to barter with him. I'll give you all of this. Like I'm serving, I'm in cell, I'm reading my Bible, I'm praying even. Uh, I go to church and I'm not doing anything big that's immoral. But I just, ah, free time. I just don't know, like what are you going to ask me to do? What are you going to ask me to do? So instead of asking him and discovering that he's a benevolent, kind, wonderful, generous master who has done nothing but prove that he loves us with everything that he is, instead of giving him the opportunity to show us that once more, we hold back and we rob ourselves of the very thing we're looking for, the love, joy, and peace. That to me is a tragedy and I don't want us to be robbed. So that's part of what we're doing when we're fasting is we're saying, Lord, we're, we're going to turn from any area of our lives that we're living duplicitously. 
We're going to turn from that. If you show us an area, we're going to turn from it, and we're going to chase after you. But we're not just going to turn from those things. We're actually going to give you extra time and space and margin in our lives by even taking the good things that we're doing and putting a pause for a moment of time on those things like food and media. Maybe it's hobbies. We're going to put a pause on that so you can speak into our life so that we would even know if we're living duplicitously. Acts 3, 19 to 20, Repent therefore and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. I hear you see it again. Repent therefore and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. That's a huge part of it, obviously. That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I think too many of us, we're we're trying to get the second one without doing the first one. That's what he was saying in Acts 2.38. That's the same idea. Repentance comes first. You have to give him access. He doesn't play well with percentages. It's not like, Lord, I'll give you half of my life. Okay, then I'll I'll give you my spirit and I'll I'll give you the, the fruits of the spirit. That's not how it works. He's jealous for your devotion. Jeremiah, uh, jumping ahead here, Jeremiah 3.14 says, Return, faithless people, declares the Lord, for I am your husband. Look at the language he uses. Jealous for our devotion. Okay, so how do we know if we're living duplicitous lives? I've already said fasting, we're going to give space for him. But the first thing we do is search your heart. So search your heart in areas of thoughts. Oh yeah, (laughs) this is convicting even for me again. Um, But I love it. That's why I'm excited for the 15th month of prayer and fasting that we get to do it together. We're going to have space. The Lord's been showing me stuff all week as I've already started. And I'm so excited for it. But we're going to give him space to, to look at, to examine our hearts. Lord, look at my thoughts. Are they glorifying and honoring to you? What about my speech? What about the dreams I have, the goals that I have? Are, am, I, am I living for me or am I living for him? Finances, relationships, free time, work, serving in ministry to others, other. Obviously, there's an other category because we can't think of absolutely everything. But the point is, Lord, search my heart and know me. But if you're so busy all the time and you're, and you're busy doing even good things, you might not have the margin in your life to even ask this question. And I think asking these questions, if you would look at my journal, and I would never let you guys do that. <laughs> I'm pretty open book with what I share from the front. Uh, but if you'd read my journal, you'd realize that I still am pretty guarded um, because that's my private life. Anyways, but if you'd go through there, you would find many times that I ask that question. Lord, show me areas of compromise. And I do it quite regularly, especially if I'm starting to feel stale or dry. If I start feeling, you know how you get, like, I, I feel like I'm often, I'm, I'm passionate. If I start feeling like my emotion, passionate level seems to be dwindling, and I'm becoming too analytical, I always go and ask the Lord, is there an area of compromise or hurt that I haven't surrendered to you? And he often shows me that there is. Not always compromise in, the, in a sinful area, but there might even be a hurt, an offense that I'm holding on to. That's keeping, that's kind of stifling the spirit. So ask him that. Second is uh, repent. So he shows you an area, then repent, turn back to him. Discover the joy of full surrender. You want those fruits of the spirit. You want that joy, the joy of your master. It comes by being with him. That's the nature of repentance. That's why you can't, Jesus is very clear. You cannot serve two masters. You'll either hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. He was very clear on that. That's what I'm talking about here. Lordship. Who are you serving? If we're trying to serve both, we are truthfully serving ourselves. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not saying you can't be saved. But I am talking about bearing fruit for this this life and the life to come. I am talking about that. So second, repent. Return you faithless people for I am am your husband. These are words of intimacy again. Jesus, I don't want you to, we can look at this and, oh, I just feel bad. Don't feel bad. The heart behind his call to repent is intimacy. He's jealous for your devotion because he loves you. He made you. And then lastly, third, fast. Fast. Fasting is going to help you with this. It's going to help you like, cleanse out your life and, and give room and space for you to go through those questions and start asking and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak into those areas. And you know what? You might go through all of that stuff. Maybe you go through there and you say, Lord, am I living, who am I living for? And he might say, you're living for me. You're doing good, son or daughter. I've heard that. Often I've heard that. And if he says that, then worship. Then forget the next two steps and go right into worship. And then you can go back to the first two purposes of fasting. And then you can start fasting, not for repentance, but fast to humble yourself before the Lord and to express your longing and desire for him to return. Because he's such a kind and wonderful and benevolent and generous master.
All right. The first three purposes of fasting are probably the most important reason that any of us could fast. I would argue. And we haven't even gotten into strengthening your prayers of intercession and warfare and all that kind of stuff, which is a good thing to fast for. We're praying for, Lord, I want a stronger marriage. Fast and pray. I'm praying for the salvation of my kids. Fast and pray. I'm praying for financial breakthrough. Fast and pray. Those are good things to fast and pray for. But I think it's important that we understand the reason we observe a time of fasting. What is the heart behind it? Why does it work? And, and, and what, what's supposed to be driving it? So, the heart is to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. That's the heart. To become fully devoted. So, there's more. Fourth one, to resist temptation. So to resist temptation, Matthew, 1, uh, Matthew 4, 1 to 4, Jesus is being led up in, by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. This is his famous temptation, right? This is the famous one that most of us all know about, and the, the enemy is tempting him in multiple different areas, and Jesus keeps responding with, you know, the very words of God. But I love there, um, on that second line, and after fasting 40 days and nights, he was hungry. I memorized that verse. I haven't memorized the whole passage yet, but I started with just that one because I find it... I don't know, something about it just makes me very happy every time I read it. <laughs> After fasting for 40 days and nights, he was hungry. I just love it. Such an obvious statement. I don't know why it makes me so happy, but it does again even as I say it. Anyways, he was hungry. Don't you love that? The Son of God, God himself, humbles himself as a slave, and then he goes, and not only that, he actually chooses. Not just, he doesn't just go through the involuntary. I mean, nothing's involuntary with him because he chose the whole thing, but it's not just things that were done to him. Voluntarily, he chose weakness multiple times. We see it with going to the cross. He chose that, but we also see it here. He chose to fast. He fasted. Took, like, he was hungry. It says he was fasting 40 days and 40 nights, and he's hungry, and that's when he goes into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Not in a place of strength, but he goes in to be tempted by the devil in a place of weakness. We should learn from that. It's not about going in there and just mustering up all your strength. I can do this. He went in there weak. He went in there weak. And look what he says. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I love that he's fasting going into it, and he stays fasting while he's going through it. And he sets a model and an example for us. We can also resist temptation in the same way. We should fast and pray to resist temptation to walk in holiness, to be able to live more righteously. And I think that's a good thing. You know, that's a good spiritual answer. I mean, I love seeing the example of Jesus in there. Just that alone. Don't you want to follow him in the example that he set forth? I do. That excites me. And sometimes just thinking about, he went through this. Even as I was hungry this last week, he went through this. He felt this. He felt this. How did he respond? And it's interesting to think about that. I'm excited to go for Israel for that same reason, to be able to get that imagery and to really empathize with some of those stories. It'll be great. But there's a practical reason why fasting, I think, helps with resisting temptation. And I think it has to do with just the idea of saying no to something that you want. I actually think that's a lost skill in our society today. The delayed gratification, I think, is something that, and I'm guilty of it too, so don't, don't, don't see me pointing fingers at anybody here. Delayed gratification is something that I think most of us really struggle with, or many of us do anyways. Our culture as a whole certainly struggles with it. Right? If we want something, we get it. I'm anxious, so I pull up my phone. Right? So I don't have to feel anxious, and I can drown myself in news or a game, or I can do that, right? Oh, I'm exhausted and tired. Oh, we should just watch a movie. And I'm not saying this is all bad, because then I'd be saying some of the things that I choose to do are bad. I'm not saying it's all bad, but balance is everything. And I think that's exactly one of the reasons why we struggle with resisting temptation sometimes, because we've trained ourselves. When you have an itch, you scratch it. Right? You just, you go at it right away. As I'm hungry, so I eat. I'm hungry, but, you know, supper's only going to be in, in, in 20 minutes. And this is a constant battle in our own house, right? 20 minutes. Well, can I have Mr. Noodles in between? Right? We can't wait 20 minutes. And I would be the first to criticize that, but what am I doing? Going and grabbing a protein bar. <laughs> right? We do that. When we fast, we're training ourselves to live opposite of that. We're saying, I have hunger, but I have a greater desire and need. That's greater than that hunger. So we say no to the flesh. We say no to the desire to eat. And then you want to go to media, and that's why I think, I'll get onto that in a moment, but uh, that's why I think often doing the food fast and media fast together, or even hobbies, are such an important thing, because if you're like me, when you're hurting in one area, you want to drown that hurt out with something else in another area. 
well, don't just go fill up one soulish thing for another. I'm not saying even bad things. Hopefully not doing bad things. I'm talking about good things now. So that's what fasting does, though. When we fast, we're actually training ourselves. I'm tired. Well, what am I going to do with my tiredness in the month of, of January in prayer and fasting month? Maybe I can go and invest in someone. Isaiah 58 talked about, don't just pray and fast, but do my will. What is his will? To love God, love people. Maybe part of what you do is not just sit at home, sitting at your TV that's off, wishing that it was on. (laughs) Maybe you actually get together with someone and go out. You're like, I'm too tired. Then sleep if you're actually that tired. Or go out and do something. Just try it for a month. It's only a month. And if it doesn't work, if it's not fun, if it doesn't give you life, then go back to what you're doing next month. It's only one month every year. Only one month to reset, to give margin, time to think, time to feel, time to process. Time to evaluate. Where am I going? Where am I heading? What am I living for? Resist temptation. I think, that, I think that fasting is a good way to do that. It teaches the limbic brain too, right? To say no to those primal urges. I need this. No, I don't. I can say no, which I think translates into areas of sin. So the last two, um, resist temptation and the um, repentance. Woo-hoo. I'm losing my own message. Someone give me the notes. Anyways, uh, those last two, We have something coming up at the end of this month, uh, the Set Free Retreat. And I'm really excited about the Set Free Retreat for a couple of reasons. Number one, I lead it and I get to speak again. But but, uh, I love what happens there because it's all about the rendering of the heart, right? It's all about looking at any area of compromise and turning away from all of that and just wholeheartedly saying yes to Jesus. And we don't just confess, we worship at the cross. The cross is an incredibly powerful session. If you haven't been to an encounter or, sorry, a set free in, in, a, in a few years, I would suggest going again. And not only do we have an adult set free coming up, we got the middle school. We get middle school set free, adult set free. There's lots to pray and fast for right even in there that our kids would experience God. Not just your own personal kids. But I would say, let's pray and fast that all of our kids in middle school experience and encounter God for who he is. I never struggled with belief in God. I've always believed. I struggled with knowing that he was good. That's why I turned away from him. Let's pray and fast for the kids, the next generation of our church coming up here, that they would encounter God in such a way that they would know that he is good. They went to prayer and fasting. I'm excited for that. And then maybe you're in a spot where you're thinking, oh, I've been living duplicitously, or I, I want to I I renewal again. Then come to the set free at the end. And I know if all of you sign up, we won't have enough space. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about space. Let us worry about space. You just, if you feel God, that's one of the commitments you want to make, then come. All right? Okay. There's a few other things. Obviously, strength and prayers of intercession, supplication, warfare, uh, seeking God's guidance for revelation, protection against uh, enemies and disaster. I'm going to talk more about this kind of stuff next week when we actually talk about what we're to be praying for. Right? And I'll, and I'll really expand on that. Uh, number eight, obviously, to deepen our relationship with the Lord. That's that Anna passage there. She was worshiping the Lord through fasting and prayer day and night. But let's skip to the types of fast. So the types of fast. So food fast. Uh, this is the kind of fast you can do. Now, when you're doing a food fast, um, drink fluids, please. That's what I'm recommending. Now, you might say, but in the Bible, they did fast where they didn't eat and drink. True. And I've done one of those. And I tried to go for a run the day after. Oh, it was horrid. I would not recommend that other people do it. Now, if you really feel strongly you want to try that, I mean, I'm not going to tell you what you can and cannot do, but we do not advise when you're fasting to fast from fluids, right? So if you can do a food fast, great. Do a food fast. Drink your fluids. If you, uh, different types of fast, and we'll talk lots about this in the cells, uh, but there's Daniel fast, you know, eating fruits and vegetables. You can fast from snacks. That's what we encourage if our kids want to fast, that they don't fast from food entirely, but they fast from junk food. Right? You can fast from junk food, coffee fasts. There's lots of things you can do in the area of food. Three-day fast, just a meal time a day, five-day, 21 days, 40-day. Lots of those. Uh, I know people who've done those. Uh, I wouldn't recommend if it's your first fast to start with 21 days or a 40-day fast. Wouldn't recommend it. Um, but start with something smaller and build yourself up. We're going to keep doing this every year anyways. So we'll have many more chances to grow this. And besides, you can also fast and pray in other months of the year. Uh, but that's something to remember. As with uh, anything, you know, if you're pregnant, nursing, sick, health problems, if you're young, old, um, if you're not sure if you're in those categories, uh, then just check with your doctor and let him tell you. Let him or her tell you. Your doctor will tell you if you're able to fast. Obviously, if you have things like diabetes, blood sugar issues, be very careful with your fasting. 
right? Be careful on exercise and those kind of things. Like, know that you'll be in a weakened state. That's important. Uh, but you can do the, the food fast. There's the second one, the media fast. This is a big one. Media consumption isn't bad. I use media for work. I was on my computer all week preparing this message, right? It's not all bad. And even doing it for fun stuff isn't all bad. But media is a big one that I would suggest you fast from. I can't tell you what to do. I would suggest because it eats up so much time. So I would suggest in a month where we're trying to live fully devoted for Jesus, to limit it. At least limit it. You can decide what that looks like. Maybe it's not a full media fast. Uh, we've done things like in the past where we said only uh, nature shows or Christian movies if we're going to watch something. And no like games or, or um, you know, personal media for fun. Me and my wife have done that. Our kids have done that as well. Lots of different things you can do. You could have certain days of the week that you don't, other days that you do. You can choose that. I would suggest, though, if you're doing food, to couple the food times, the times that you are not eating, to couple that with some type of media fast so that you don't do what I did in the beginning, and that is fast from food and hide in the basement watching TV to avoid life because you feel so hungry and miserable. Guess what? I just felt more miserable after that. Don't do that. That's pointless. Like I said, go into prayer. Give extra time for the Lord. Pray. If you're like, well, I, I, I run out of things to pray for. That's okay. Then go and do something with somebody. Go play a game. Go read a good book. Use this as a month to detox your life, and that, that's a good thing. You can also do hobby fasts and spending fasts. Those are good things. So pull out your cards. We have a special number we're going to do. These cards are in the, in the seat backs there. So we're going to fill them out together. And the worship team is going to lead us in a special number. So stay seated for this. And uh, this is just a treat for you. But on here, you'll see a bunch of things that you can commit to already. Uh, the set free isn't on here, but maybe you want to write that on there if you already feel like the Lord's saying, go to the set free. Uh, but you'll see there is um, a devotional, a prayer and fast fasting devotional you can sign up for. If you want to sign up for that, there are physical copies, but it's mainly an email devotional. Uh, sign up for it online. You'll see the sign up on our website. Uh, you can do that also on the Facebook page. Uh, but there's lots of extra time here. Prayer summits, Friday night prayer, personal time in the prayer room. Um, the church-wide fast that's coming up January 14th to 16th that you can commit to. And then just spend some time allowing the Holy Spirit. We're not going to give you lots of time now. But allow the Holy Spirit to begin speaking to you. What kind of fast does he want you to do this year in the month of prayer and fasting? And what is it that you want to turn from and turn towards? What are you wanting him to do in your life? We'll give you a bit of time as you reflect on the song. And so I'll pray for you now. Lord, as we go through this month, we need your spirit to go before us. And some of us, we've done prayer and fasting before, but we're nervous going in. We're nervous of failure. We're nervous of making a mistake, not getting it right. We're nervous of going hungry. But Lord, we just want to turn away from all of that. We just, this is all about you. And let the life song of our lives be all about worship. So as we go into this, would you show us what you want us to do? and what would glorify you. And we thank you for what you're going to show us in Jesus' name. Amen.